Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to join in the conversation, you can head on over to KPL965.com right now. See today's show notes. And right at the very top, we've got breaking news. This coming from The Advocate just a short while ago. A Louisiana appeals court has ruled the state's strict ban on abortion must be reinstated as the ongoing legal challenge to the ban plays out. This delivers a blow to abortion advocates after they won a favorable ruling in district court. Now, this, again, legal back and forth battle uh, going to continue until we hit the state Supreme Court. And in all likelihood, the state Supreme Court will uphold the abortion ban. We will keep an eye on that. That is one of two stories that I'm keeping an eye on today. The second is a House vote that's currently underway. I've I've been following it since the procedural vote began earlier today. House Democrats have decided that they are going to push ahead on an assault weapons ban. Despite everything coming up right now, every important issue out there right now in terms of the economy, the recession that isn't according to the Biden administration, all of that, the Democrats are pushing ahead on an abortion ban. I'm, I'm sorry, not an abortion ban, an assault weapons ban. I'm getting my stories confused. Right now, debate is going on on the House floor. Nancy Pelosi, as of four minutes ago, was complaining about the uh, about assault rifles. So here is what is at stake here. The the Democrats uh, were prepping for this assault weapons ban then on Wednesday abandoned it. Well, as it turns out, a bunch of progressives in the House, uh, members of the Congressional Black Caucus, and moderates uh, inside the Democratic Party all agreed to hold off on a vote on police funding. So for all the Democrats that are saying, no, no, we're not against funding the police. Uh, they have delayed a police funding vote in order to push ahead on an assault weapons ban that will not clear the Senate. Democratic leadership had planned to package the two initiatives together as a compromise package between the factions. However, the Congressional Black Caucus and progressive members refused to consider the police funding bill. So the assault weapons ban came back up, and it is now currently being debated on the House floor. Stephen Gutowski at The Reload uh, had a pretty good write-up on it this morning and is also watching it as, it as the debate carries on in the House. The House will move forward with the vote on assault weapons while the Democrats continue to negotiate over the police funding effort. Now keep in mind, this is July 29th. There's two days left in the month, and then it's August, and Congress always has an August recess. Progressives want to go out on the campaign trail during this valuable campaign time in August and tout 
their vote on an assault weapons ban. The Democrats have a four-vote majority in the House. And they will use it to pass this bill. They can't get it through the Senate. They cannot get this bill through the Senate. They need 60 votes in the Senate. They will not have it. Moreover, they can't stick it into the reconciliation bill that Joe Manchin flip-flopped on and, you know, angered all the Republicans on by signing a deal with uh, Chuck Schumer. They can't put it into the reconciliation bill. So it's not like this has any chance of passing. However, it's a campaign ploy. All the Democrats want to be able to vote on and then go and campaign on an assault weapons ban. Procedural voting was underway this morning. They had the votes to bring it to the floor for debate. They will close the debate soon, I'm sure. And they will have a vote later on. Progressives and CBC members, Congressional Black Caucus members, really want this as something they can tout, something they can fight for. But moderate Democrats are very, very worried here. If you remember the assault weapons ban in 1994, that actually hurt Democrats quite a bit. One of the Democrats out there in this mentioned that Kurt Schrader, a Democrat of Oregon, said this is a bill that destroyed the Democrats in 94. I guess, do we really have a death wish as a death wish list as Democrats? It undermines what we already did and reemphasizes to all the people in America that we are not hardcore urban that uh, I'm sorry. Reemphasizes to all people in America that are not hardcore urban Democrats that are parties out of touch. This bill goes further than the 94 ban. This bill will ban future sales of semi-automatic rifles and shotguns that are equipped with one or more features such as a barrel shroud, flash suppressor, or pistol grip. And it also specifically mentions certain guns by name, guns that Democrats have called weapons of war, like the AR-15 and AK-47. And when, it, when they vote on it, it will pass by the four votes. Nancy Pelosi would not have brought this to the floor if she didn't have the votes. Democrats, uh, it, moderate Democrats, Democrats in swing districts are going to vote for this. And it will hurt them in those moderate districts. And it will put more House seats in play. But the Democrats are trying to shore up their progressive voters and not going after gun control is one way that the progressives will decide to just stay home. The Democrats are very, very, very worried about that. So what do they need to do? Well, they need to get the progressives to cheer on their efforts on gun control, cheer on their efforts on climate change, cheer on their efforts on abortion and trying to codify Roe v. Wade. They need to do these things not because they will pass, but they need to do it in order to get their progressives to have faith in them. I want to take a quick break and I want to talk about the progressive vote and why it's so important for Democrats. There's some polling that the Democrats really like because of the abortion stuff, but there's data buried in there that actually has a lot of Democrats panicked. 
We're going to talk about that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. So the Democrats are pushing forward on an assault weapons ban debate still underway in the House. Now, once this vote is over, by the way, Nancy Pelosi is hopping on a plane and flying to Taiwan. And a Chinese official has basically threatened on Twitter. Uh, I'm sorry, not a Chinese official, a uh, member of Chinese state-affiliated media, Hu Qijin, has tweeted, If U.S. fighter jets escort Pelosi's plane into Taiwan, it is invasion. The PLA has the right to forcibly dispel Pelosi's plane and the U.S. fighter jets, including firing warning shots and making tactical movement of obstruction. If ineffective, then shoot them down. A, so a member of Chinese state media has essentially said, hey, you know what? China's just going to shoot Pelosi down. And good Lord, in the ongoing chronicles of Karine Jean-Pierre not being good at her job, Peter Ducey uh, asked uh, Jean-Pierre at the uh, daily press briefing about this. Uh Ducey, an official who is associated with Chinese state media, suggesting that if Speaker Pelosi tries to go to Taiwan, that her plane could be shot down. Does the president have a response to that? Jean-Pierre's response is, I'm not going to speak to a hypothetical. It's not a hypothetical. It was a direct threat made by Chinese state media. Uh, Y'all... She's not good at her job. Nancy Pelosi is about to fly to Taiwan and anger the Chinese. The Biden administration is not too happy about it, but they're not going to stop her. But before that, Pelosi is forcing the House to vote on an assault weapons ban. Now, I mentioned before the break that the Democrats are doing this to try to shore up support among the base. And there's a reason why. There's a Washington Post poll that's out today. And in this poll... The Washington Post sees data that says voters are really worried about the Dobbs decision rolling back abortion rights in the country. According to the poll, about two-thirds of voters say overturning Roe v. Wade represents a major loss of rights for women in America. And Democrats are taking that bit of information and they're cheering it on. They're like, yes, see, the Republicans are too extreme. The Supreme Court's too extreme. America believes in abortion rights. And so it's reaffirming to them that there is some hope that abortion, the abortion issue, the Dobbs case, Roe versus Wade, will help rally the base. Except you need to dig further into the story via the Washington Post. But the poll also provides evidence of an enthusiasm problem for Democrats. Those who reject the idea that the court's ruling is a loss for women are 18 percentage points more likely to express certainty that they will vote in the midterms. 70% compared with 18% of those who do see such a loss, according to the post-Shar school poll conducted July 22nd to 24th. In other words, the people who say that this is not a rollback of women's rights are more likely to vote by a lot. Democrats and women, especially younger women, are particularly uncertain that they will vote. About one in three women under 40 are sure they will vote or are sure 
they will cast a ballot, even as they have strong concerns about rollbacks and abortion access. Moreover, and this is important, of adults who say abortion should be legal, only 55%, only about half, a little over half of adults who believe abortion should be legal say that they are voting in November, are definitively voting in November. More than 60% of those who feel that abortion should be banned will be voting in November. There's an enthusiasm gap. Republicans are likewise more likely to vote in the midterm. 74% say they will, as opposed to Democrats, only 62%. There's no abortion bump that will overcome that enthusiasm gap. Abortion is such a niche issue for voters. There are a lot of voters who have opinions about abortion and abortion access, but it's not their driving force to the polls. The top issue right now is, sorry, Mr. Biden, the recession, inflation and the recession. And everyone is concerned about the recession. All the voters believe that we're in, even though the Biden administration continues to spin and say, ah, it's not a recession. Don't worry about it. I mean, we have a story up on KPL 965 right now. Uh, Biden uh, just kind of turned and walked away. President Biden, that doesn't sound like a recession to me, then walks off. Imagine a Republican just walk, just making a statement and then walking off. And, and the press will continue to yell and they will continue to fight. They'll push back. It's not happening here. Two consecutive quarters of declining GDP doesn't sound like a recession to Joe Biden. And he is emphasizing to Americans that Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell said there are too many areas where the economy is performing too well. In other words, and this is from Jim Garrity over at National Review, you don't realize how great you have it, foolish Americans. Well, if you think that we're under a thriving economy right now, you're a Democrat. And an out-of-touch one, because there are a lot of Democrats who feel that we are not in a healthy economic environment. Only the Biden administration, the people, the, the political economic advisors that they are pulling in to their side, the partisan hacks, are saying, no, we're not in a recession. The absolute best case scenario for the Biden administration is we're not in one yet, but it's coming soon. Most Americans feel we are in a recession as of right now, and for good reason. Two quarters of shrinking GDP. Inflation causing massive price hikes. The energy crisis. The supply chain crisis. Businesses are restocking their inventories at a significantly slower pace. Rising interest rates are slowing down the housing market, making it tougher for people to get loans. Rising interest rates usually trigger a recession. The likelihood 
is that this quarter's GDP report would bring bad news was clear for weeks. We all knew it was coming. That's why the Biden administration got out early and said, no, this isn't a recession. This isn't going to be a recession. The definition that you know has changed. And all sorts of folks in the media and all sorts of economists on the left are all out there saying, yeah, you know what? He's right. The National Bureau of, Econ- of whatever, whatever, uh, I forget what their name is, but that, you know, they have so many things they look at. They have a, they have a rubric. They have a rubric of things that they look at for the economy. And uh, you're not going to find very many Americans who don't think we're in a recession right now. You're not. The polling shows that most Americans think we're currently in a recession the polling shows that most Americans say that we're on the wrong track economically. And most, and the polling shows that most Americans feel Joe Biden has really mishandled the economy. Even Jake Tapper at CNN was calling out the Biden administration, pushing back in an interview, I think yesterday afternoon saying, how can you say this when this is the definition that the white house and others have used for decades? Even the New York Times is out there questioning it. Even folks in other areas are questioning it. Other media outlets are starting to question it. The Biden administration is just making it up as they go. Let's take our bottom of the hour news break. We will be back here in just a moment on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to call in and be part of the program. So Nancy Pelosi, after today's assault weapons ban vote, uh, is supposedly getting on a plane and, and beginning a trip to Taiwan. And I don't think it's I don't think it's just her. I think it's other members of the House as well. But China's very upset about it uh, in a highly covered phone call between Chinese President Xi Jinping and President Biden, uh, the Chinese president warned Biden not to play with fire over Taiwan, uh, according to the Chinese readout of a call between the two leaders. Uh, Beijing is threatening serious consequences if House Speaker Nancy Pelosi follows through on a planned visit to the self-governing island. And uh, Biden has said publicly the U.S. military thinks it's not a good idea right now. The Pentagon has briefed Pelosi about its security concerns. While all this is happening, the Taiwanese military has been conducting a five-day exercise to simulate a Chinese invasion, part of a regular schedule of defense drills conducted each year. However, according to Axios, a lot of these things coming together may indicate the timeline for a potential Chinese attempt to take Taiwan seems to be getting shorter. Here's what's going on globally. And I feel the need to talk about this because this is a a potentially major event that could have a lot of consequences here in the U.S. The Chinese economy is not doing as great as China would want you to believe. In fact, uh, President uh, Xi Jinping is uh, not handling the Chinese state very well. And so to overcompensate, just like Russia invading Ukraine, uh, the Chinese are prepping for potential military action in Taiwan. Now, one of the reasons the Chinese were very upset with Russia initially is that Russia's invasion of Ukraine 
really raised world awareness of such unjust invasions, and it really makes it harder for the Chinese to try to pull off a similar invasion of the self-governed island of Taiwan. The Chinese government, according to Axios, has repeatedly vowed to take control of the self-governing island by force if necessary, and it reacts furiously to any gesture that seems to treat Taiwan as an independent state. U.S. and Taiwanese officials have in, pa- have in the past floated various timelines for an invasion, often setting the horizon at 2025 or 2030, but U.S. officials now believe China may make a strong move against Taiwan within the next 18 months, according to a report in the New York Times. In other words, China could be looking to take Taiwan, and Nancy Pelosi visiting is a direct threat to Beijing's plans. To go to Taiwan is, in fact, Nancy Pelosi legitimizing the self-governed island of island nation of Taiwan. The Chinese really want to extend their military control. One of the things the Chinese have done is they have started buying a lot of land across the world, including here in the U.S., but they're not going to do here what they've been doing in other places. What they do is they, they buy land or they make loans to poorer nations, smaller, poorer nations, and then give them high interest rates to the point where these nations have to default on the loan. And in order to pay off the loan, they essentially give the Chinese land. The Chinese then go and build military installments. They exert influence over that land that they now control. And they haven't done any such thing in America for the land they've been buying up. I know that some of y'all have read those stories and are concerned about them. I'm concerned too. But the Chinese are trying to expand their military presence. It used to be that Russia and China were very good at playing games using what we call soft power. Soft power is the use of money and incentives like that to help build infrastructure in uh, other countries that they wanted influence in. But the Chinese economy is quickly going south. So they're having to resort now to more hard power, the development of, of, of uh, man-made islands, uh, in the sea to expand their presence in the, uh, in the ocean. Um, they, uh, are, like I said, uh, using this loan scheme to build military installments in other poorer countries. They are exerting their military influence where they can, because their economic influence just isn't what it was. As it turns out, a communist nation, even a partially communist nation, because they, they're they sort of communist, but also sort of not in terms of how they run their economy. Um, they have uh, they have really, really screwed up in their economic practices. And as a result, the Chinese are having to use hard power, the military to exert their influence across the world in other smaller, poorer nations, like I was saying. And they really want Taiwan. They want to expand their presence even further. They really want Taiwan. Now, there's a lot of historical bad blood between the Chinese and Taiwan, too. But for the sake of exerting their power, they need Taiwan. Nancy Pelosi, for whatever reason she's taking this trip, is a threat 
to that desire to take Taiwan because a high-ranking U.S. official is legitimizing the existence of Taiwan as an independent state. And Beijing doesn't like it. President Xi doesn't like it. The Chinese military and the Chinese media don't like it. So somebody in Chinese state-controlled media basically openly threatened that the Chinese government would shoot Pelosi's plane down if need be. Nobody expects an imminent attack on Taiwan. But Russia's invasion of Ukraine, despite the fact that it makes an invasion look worse, may have helped speed it up. U.S. relations with China may help speed it up. It, by all accounts, the, the readout uh, of the call between uh, Xi Jinping and Joe Biden was contentious. And this is another foreign threat that could very well turn into a massive global event. But if you look at the timeline, they've moved it up. It now looks like they will attack Taiwan in the next 18 months, as opposed to sometime in 2025 or 2030. Why do you think that is? Look at who the current leader of the United States is. Look at how little was done to stand up to Russia and its invasion of Ukraine. The Chinese have better odds of getting what they want if they attack Taiwan before the 2024 election than they would if they attacked after the 2024 election when a stronger, more military-minded Republican comes in. Joe Biden's foreign policy is often just terrible. But you'll note, even as the even as the Democrats said that Trump was in Putin's pocket, Putin never tried to invade Ukraine as much as everybody knows Putin wanted Ukraine. He never tried anything while Trump was in office. The Middle East saw its closest achievement of peace because of Donald Trump's policies and the policies of the people advising him. He had some good foreign policy advisors. Joe Biden comes to office and Russia attacks Ukraine. Joe Biden comes to office and the Chinese, uh, and the, the predicted Chinese invasion of Taiwan gets moved up before the 2024 election. There's a reason for that. Now, it's not all about U.S. politics. Don't get me wrong. I hate it when people make everything about U.S. politics. But the biggest threat to an invasion like that from any global adversary is going to be the United States. And if there is an incompetent or weak leader in the United States, you're more likely to get away with something like that. Just ask Vlad Putin. All right, let's go ahead and take our last break of the day. When we come back, is Donald Trump in legal trouble? We're going to have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Is Donald Trump in legal trouble? That's what CNN seems to think. You know, the walls have been closing in for six years. I wish they'd hurry up and just close already. Uh, I'm tired of hearing uh, the walls closing in. Everybody says that they've been saying it for six years. Well, here's CNN now. 
Another CNN legal analyst, Norm Eisen, a senior fellow in the governance studies at the, Brooks, at the Brookings Institution, zeroed in on Garland's pledge in an NBC interview to pursue anyone who attempted to, quote, interfere with the lawful transfer of power from one administration to the other. We haven't heard these magic words before, Eisen told CNN's Anna Cabrera on Wednesday. He added that all the evidence suggested there was one person who was in charge with attempting to interfere with the lawful transfer of power, the former commander-in-chief. I think the indicators are really pointing at severe legal peril for Donald Trump. Severe legal peril for Donald Trump has been the theme of the last six years. I don't think you've got it. Here's what you've got, though. You've got Merrick Garland stepping up and actually being more forceful in his rhetoric. But why now? Nobody's really convinced of anything by the January 6th committee. The people who assumed Donald Trump was guilty of trying to stage a coup already agreed with what the January 6th committee was showing. The people who disagreed already knew that the January 6th committee was full of garbage. And everybody else in the middle, the largest swath of the American public, they're like, okay, can we move on? They all want to move on. But Merrick Garland is now forcefully saying things like, we're going to pursue anyone who attempted to interfere with the lawful transfer of power from one administration to the other. He's saying it now. Because we're getting into August, August, September, October, those three months are left. Then you have election day at the beginning of November. Three months left for the Democrats to try to convince the American public that Republicans and Donald Trump are the greatest threat to democracy. That Republicans and Donald Trump are the reason you have to keep Democrats in power. Because if you don't keep them in power, what you're going to do is you're just going to reinforce to all of those, uh, you're, just, you're just going to reinforce all those Republicans that it's okay to try and stage a coup against the government when things don't go your way. The DOJ under Joe Biden, as expected, is highly politicized here. If they were doing an honest assessment of the evidence, they would, as the previous DOJ did, keep things under wraps until they had indictments ready to go, until they had arrest warrants ready to go. But they are publicizing, they are leaking, they are letting everybody know every single time someone from the Trump administration or the aide to someone in, Trump, in the Trump administration goes in for an interview. They are publicizing all that as they have the entire time to try to keep the controversy going. When you are investigating, you don't reveal all of your cards. You keep them all pretty close. Because you don't want to let slip what you've got because it helps the other side prepare a defense. And the other side gets to prepare a defense now because they know who is going in and who is saying what, basically. This is 
a highly politicized moment from the Department of Justice. And it's not going to lead to anything. And if it does, you can bet that Donald Trump is going to fight. And you can bet that there's not a whole lot of a whole lot of evidence right now that indicates that Donald Trump really legitimately tried to overthrow the government. He was livid. He let conspiracy theorists in around him and let them convince him that he, that it was stolen from him. And he did nothing to really dissuade the live action role players who thought they were patriots invading the Capitol. But there's not really much of a chance you're going to find that Donald Trump was guilty of anything. But they need to make it look like they are still investigating. Because remember what I said earlier. There's an enthusiasm gap among Democratic voters. I've been telling you for weeks, Hispanic voters are flipping to the GOP. Black voters at best are staying home in November. Abortion, Roe versus Wade being overturned, is not getting voters out to the polls in November. It's not, the dri- it's not a driving factor in that. Democrats and women, especially younger women, are particularly uncertain if they're going to vote in November. About one in three women under 40 are sure they will ca- even cast a ballot. So they have to try to pass this gun control bill in the House that's going nowhere As you and I both know, it is going nowhere. They have to try to make it to where Donald Trump is still the biggest threat out there. They have to try to make it so that All of the progressive voters who are staying home are energized. That's who they're trying to keep coming to the polls. It's not about you or me. It's not about moderate voters. It's not about anyone that there's left to persuade. All they are doing is trying to convince the people out there that it is time to go vote to stop the Republican menace. They're going after their own voters with all of this. Before we go, a brief update on what's going on. I'm following my, st- my friend Stephen Gutowski on Twitter. By the way, you can too. It's at Stephen Gutowski. St- Stephen with a P-H, G-U-T-O-W-S-K-I. Uh, the most recent update, he's saying there will probably be two to three Republican votes for the assault weapons ban. Uh, there is a Republican in New York among them. Uh, so that could actually give some of the moderate Democrats who are opposed to this a chance to opt out. Nancy Pelosi, again, would not be bringing this bill to the floor if she didn't have the votes. We will see going forward. Y'all, looking at the rain, it's kind of ugly right here on Bertrand. It is ugly in other places around the city. Y'all be safe right now. Be safe out there on the roads. I'll talk to you again on Monday here on the Joe Cunningham Show, but stick around because Offsides is next. Me and Shannon with the topics of the day. We're going to have a lot of fun. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and listen to the podcast version of the show on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Y'all have a great and safe weekend here in Lafayette. 
This is Joe Cunningham on News Talk 96.5 KPL.